0: Hey, church family, I'm here with uh, Pastor Paul and Pastor Daniel, and we're going to have a little conversation really about this summer and what it's going to look like in the life of our church. And uh, so we're going to talk about a series that we're going to be starting in the life of our church called The Story, where we're going to walk through the gospel narrative that really is the four movements of the gospel story from creation, fall, redemption, new creation, what that looks like and how that can all tie into the discipleship of our kids and tie into the family discipleship plan what all that looks like real exciting time in the life of our church so uh why don't you guys take it paul daniel and and tell us why are we going to do this this summer and what's the big idea for our church of this uh, story series that we're going to be kicking off
1: yeah i think you know the cool thing about what we're going to be doing is Uh, we have the opportunity to unify the whole church around a strategic direction when it comes to our teaching and discipleship. So, you know, most weeks uh, on average Sunday, especially for families who've used the family discipleship plan before, you might have multiple children kind of walking through different truths and different ideas. uh, But for these 10 weeks, we get to all come together aligned around one truth and around, around the same ideas, same verse, same passage. And so it just gets us all on the same page. Yeah. And we can't strategically do that every week, all year, every year. But this is an opportunity, especially during the summer when people are heading different ways, traveling, vacation, mission trips, all those kind of things, if us all staying on the same page yeah. and really leveraging the resources that are available to, to help one another pursue Christ and to encourage one another as we help our families follow Jesus. Yeah,
0: that's really good. So I can say as a parent of multiple kids and four still in the home, even the fact that this summer that we're gonna have the same big truth, same scripture for all age groups and that concentrated focus is a real advantage for us. And so kind of take it from there as a church, we have um, core practice equipping families. Uh, And so for us, that ties into diligent discipleship of our families and how we wanna pursue that together and in community and in our home and the partnership of that. So uh, Daniel, this series, how's that gonna help in this advancement for each family of, and we wanna disciple our kids, but we wanna be diligent in that and have a plan. And how can this help us take the next step to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the next step piece is it. I mean, so it's getting started. So you guys, you guys work out, right? I know you can't tell but I I don't work out. Um, So what happens is I'm like you know what? I'm gonna start working out and so I work out like one day and then I'm like "Eh, that's kind of lame I don't want to do this anymore and I get busy the next day and then it doesn't happen. So what's essentially happening in my life is there's no routine and so it's just these random things that kind of happen but I don't ever get it built into the routines of my life. We have a great responsibility and a great privilege to disciple the next generation and we're called to do that with diligence and so every parent every grandparent every person in our church you have the responsibility to teach and to talk to the next generation about who God is and who he's called them to be to get started in that with diligence and have a routine that's the hardest part Because for you guys, you're already working out It's part of, it's a little bit more into your routine. You're used to it. You kind of get excited about it. It becomes part of who you are. For me, it's not that yet. And so it's just harder to get started. By the same time as we come together through the summer and all this unified plan, talking about it in your life groups, getting started with one another, everything matching up, the idea is it helps our people try. Mm -hmm. It helps them get started. They have a workout partner. Except in our case, there's a thousand of them. And we're going to go at it together. And I think that's just going to be a great advantage.
0: Yeah, there's great strength in that. Great strength in that. So some of those tools to help in this diligent discipleship is we have some key terms. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the family discipleship plan, there's some real consistent terms. You're going to hear these on the weekend. You're going to see this in the resources. So help us identify some of those key terms and how they really help in this diligent discipleship.
1: Yeah, um, there are several key terms. And, And even what you said a minute ago about this practice of equip our families what, what allowing us to come around these terms does is it gives us all the same script, the same playbook, you know, uh, together, whether you're a parent or someone who's helping their younger sibling or grandparent, like we all get to do that. And so a few of those key terms are Bible verse, which we talk about Bible verses a lot. That's yeah. not an abnormal thing. But every single week there's a primary Bible verse, and from that verse comes a big truth. So if you've used the family discipleship plan before or you've been a part of any gathering, every time we preach on Sunday morning, there's a big truth in every service. And that's not just a random concept that we just wanna talk about that day. Every big truth comes from the Bible verse. And so when you're looking at one of those guides, FDP guides, you're going to see the verse, you're going to see the truth. The truth always comes out of the verse. And when we study scripture, every time we read God's word, there are truths embedded mm-hmm. in those scriptures. We don't make them up. We don't get right. to choose what they are. God's word dictates what those so. truths are. And then another key term is big ideas. And again, if you've come to a worship service on a Sunday morning, you see us lay out big ideas. Big ideas unpack the big truth. Mm -hmm. They help explain it. They add definition to it. And so they come from the text as well, but they are more helping undergird and flesh out, like, what is the big truth? What does it mean for us? What do we do with that? Yeah, there are implications. Yeah, implications. Um, So Bible verse, big truth, big ideas are are three of the common terms Mm -hmm. that you see Sunday morning and and every single week. Mm -hmm. You want to add to that?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think the only other one I would just kind of throw out there is to realize how developmentally this works within our homes with our kids. So although we're all doing the same thing this summer, we recognize in preschool, we really focus in on foundations and instilling biblical principles of who God is and what God gives to us, his creation. And when we get into elementary, we, we focus on the story. And that gospel narrative that we're spending our summer talking. Mm -hmm. When we get into middle school, we focus on identity, who we are in Christ. And when we get into high school, we start thinking about influence and how to launch our young people out into the world as soldiers in the army of the Lord, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I'm just saying that to the parents to understand developmentally where your child is as a grandparent, to understand where your grandchild is how to have those types of conversations. It matters. So if they're older, make the, those conversations more experiential learning, go do something together, go practice that thing. Don't just teach it. If they're younger, especially preschool, really work on like memorize the Bible verse. work on memory, concrete learning things. Mm-hmm. And so those developmental terms and handles, I think they'll help you a lot in the home as well.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So let's try to get really practical. And So kind of like back to your workout plan analogy, and I thought you were a CrossFitter. I I can't believe, anyway, so I learned something today. But with that, so we would say, and we teach this, you know, that as parents, we're called to disciple our kids diligently. That's the key word. That demands a plan. So we know there are different ranges of where people in our church may be with the family discipleship plan, or maybe another plan, or maybe no plan at all. So the idea that you're going to disciple your kids with no plan is just crazy. So how is this series this summer? Or how, how would we say to someone who maybe is way over here and doesn't doesn't have a plan, hasn't even started? What do we say to them? Going into this series this summer, great opportunity. Let's get real practical. How can we say, okay, here's an opportunity to get started?
1: Yeah, I would just say start this week. Um, start today. Start this week. Think about next week. When we talk about a plan, we really do want to talk about strategy and intentionality for the long term. So, you know, you use the exercise example. Again, it's one thing at the beginning of the year to jump in the gym for a couple weeks and try some things out and get out of it. There's something else to really map out what the next year is and how you're going to eat and when you're going to sleep and how long and when you're going to work out and have a, a diligent strategy. And so start this week, but start this week with the resources that Mm -hmm. are available as our church. Mm -hmm. Um, And the family discipleship plan gives you one truth every week, one verse, a Bible story. It gives you hooks and illustrations that you can do at home and how to do devotion. Or if you have teenagers, it gives them a devotion kind of workout to allow them to go through. And so just embrace something for this week. But then start thinking more long term mm-hmm. than this week mm-hmm. and allow uh, what we're doing this summer because these conversations are going to spill into life groups, they're going to spill into behind the message and study groups. Join in what yeah. our church is doing together. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You want to add to that? Uh,
2: yeah, I think what you're saying is really try to some extent yeah. uh, engage in a plan. And one way you're going to do that within the body of the church this next two months this summer is to share talk in your life groups about what you're doing talk about when it's hard talk about when it's a success but let's do this together as a church yeah and some of you are already doing this very successfully and you have a plan and you've been following your plan and you're having those conversations and you're talking to your kids about the big truths and you're helping them kind of break down and rationalize through those big ideas yeah But what a resource you can be to the other parents and the other grandparents in our church as they're trying to do the same thing. And it's not just for kids. I mean, the truth is, if you're not really having those types of conversations just with your spouse Mm -hmm. or with your friends, the handles of what we're talking about apply within the whole context of God's people to teach one another, to uh, hold out, to proclaim to one another God's truth and to talk about them to rationalize through them, to pray through them. And so I would just say, yeah, try, set up a plan, engage, but also
0: share with one another Mm -hmm. and just go through it together. Yeah, that's good. So maybe to kind of summarize what we're saying, wrap it up, uh, we have an incredible opportunity this summer for our church, for families. Try, just take a step wherever you are in that spectrum of diligent discipleship of your kids. And I would just say, as a parent, I've learned that the less than perfect efforts of a parent go a long way. We're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about you know, checking all the boxes we're saying. It's less than perfect efforts of a parent, caregiver. It just goes such a long, long way in the lives of our kids. So give it a try. It's an exciting summer coming up for our church family. Uh, love you, church. Looking forward to this summer together.
2: So I got any, I got any kids in the room? I got any kids? Any, any little ones? Yeah, kids, wave at me. Wave at me. I want to see you. Look at you. Yeah. All right. You guys, you, we sang that song, The Great I Am. Any of you guys like that song? Any of you? A few of you? I see a few little hands. I don't like it. Some of you are like, I'm not a kid, but I
0: really like that song. I got to right here.
2: Hey, listen, I, I want to talk to you, especially the kids. I want to make sure you get something because it's really cool, all right? When God reveals himself to Moses, and it's kind of an introduction of God to people in some sense. Moses is like, who should I tell them is sending me? Who are you? What's your name? God replies, I am. Now here's what's happening in that moment. Before you try to box me in to a name, to something that was created, that's something that you can understand, before you begin to even try to comprehend me that way, you just need to know I am. Now listen, kids, this is pretty cool. In the New Testament, the Pharisees and some of the religious people had cornered Jesus. And they were questioning his authority. And they were basically saying, you you act like you know more than our father Abraham. And they're taunting him. And Jesus replies, before Abraham was, I am. And listen, they knew what that meant. They picked up stones, they gathered around, and they were ready to kill them. Because to be outside of time and space and matter, you are the supreme being. That's an incredible thought. And so when we sing that song, we're not just singing some words that describe the Lord. We are making a declaration of his existence. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. And that's not easy for us. Because if you're in this room, you are like me. You are selfish and prideful and sinful. And that goes beyond just like, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. It goes beyond my only child reservations to share right it goes beyond not sharing our toys it goes beyond not patiently pretending to be interested at somebody's rambling story so much more than that it takes aim at our very understanding of the gospel our very understanding of the gospel because our sin tries to put us at the center of the gospel it tries to put us at the center of creation it tries to make us the subject of it all and we are not we are not the subject of the story and maybe the easiest place to see that is in the beginning Because the gospel story doesn't begin with us. It doesn't begin with you. It doesn't begin with mankind. It doesn't begin with the universe. It doesn't begin with things that we can't even comprehend outside of like time, space, and matter. The gospel story begins with one supreme being. We call him God. call him God. One of the things that As we go through, I hope you learn a little bit more about the Family Discipleship Plan as a resource. And I just real quick want to point out something in preschool. When we hold out that curriculum and those ideas and that teaching, that plan in preschool, everything is organized around foundation, these foundational principles that we want to instill into our youngest children and our families, And all of them are organized by these statements, God is, God gives. Our morality, the things that we want, none of that begins in and of ourselves. It all begins with God and who he is. And so this morning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to jump right in, okay? And we're not going to spend too much time here this morning, but I want to make sure you capture this idea. We'll come back over the next few weeks and we'll continue to talk more about creation. But I really want to emphasize just that first few verses in Genesis chapter 1. Beginning of verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Our big truth this morning... God is the author and subject of creation it is a story about him he is the plot he is the hero he is the author he is the publisher the editor even the illustrator it's his story it's his story The first big truth communicated in the pages of Scripture, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. He is the creator. He is before all things. There is nothing before him, and so he gives life to all things. He gives purpose, therefore, to all things. He gives it its meaning. All of it directly back to him. He sustains it all. It is his creation. And his creation describes him. The creation describes the creator. And I know these are things that you know. But listen, church, just let your heart be captured this morning by the size and the power and the strength of the creator. Just marvel at how big he is. How far beyond our comprehension he is. He is intelligent. He is intelligent beyond our understanding. His creation testifies to this. Just one cell. One cell. All the information in one cell. And we have no idea really how all that works. He is orderly. Again, I mentioned time, space, and matter. He puts all that together. He, God, the supreme being, sits outside of those things that we can't get our mind around. And he orders them. He is powerful. He is powerful and strong. He spoke into existence planets. Some of us who don't do CrossFit can't even pick up a rock. <laughs> Not the less, a big massive monster truck tire for whatever random reason you would want to. <laughs> when I can still walk when I'm 70 because my knees still work and you guys are picking up all those tires, come back and see me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> as long as I don't blow out another calf muscle. Because... <laughs> All right, all right, I'm, I'm focused, I'm focused. He spoke planets into existence, the strength to speak universes into existence. And yet, he is artistic and pleasant. He paints the very flowers, every pigment, every color, intentionally designed and painted and illustrated by the creator he is beautiful he is beautiful the beauty of the creation that is his and even in the fall we see the most beautiful pictures of who God is through his creation he made my wife and my daughter he is beautiful he is good he gives joy and love god is supreme he is preeminent he is first and we know nothing like him nothing we only know other created beings other created things peers and so while we may think we create something we may build a sandcastle we may paint a painting we are dependent in every case, on material that has already been spoken into existence. I want to give you a hook this week as you think about some of these things with your family, especially those of you with younger kids. Go stargazing. Now, listen, kids, I told you I was going to help you out. Let your kids stay up past their bedtime, like till it gets really dark. See, kids, I told you, look at this. I already got kids. All right? Pastor Daniel said I could stay up past my bedtime. Take those kids out, find a really dark night where it's not cloudy, and go out and just gaze into the stars. And just talk about the power, the strength, the supreme being that God must be to speak it all into existence. And just talk about it and so what we see in this is we recognize that God was and is before creation in our first big idea and in our second big idea he transforms all the chaos into created order God said verse 3 and there was something spoken from nothing and you know what, the truth is, that is a, just a lame description. Because it's much more than something. When God spoke it into existence, it was good. It was good. Nothing too good. And it was so much less than just nothing. It was absolutely void. There was not a particle. And yet God creates it all and church i just want to chase a rabbit real quick and i'm going to i'm going to kind of be politically insensitive for just a moment but i'm going to do so by hiding behind the pages of scripture okay (laughs) creation didn't just randomly happen It, it it didn't just evolve from something creation by design points us to god himself not creation see to entertain the idea of evolution or a big bang to entertain the idea that there is no God who sets outside of time space and matter and speaks all of us and all of creation into existence to entertain such an idea is stupid. Psalm 14:1 says to enter the, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Now the word the psalmist used is fool. It literally means stupid, senseless. The Word of God looks out and says, Look, he could say sinful. It could have used that word, it could have said wicked. The Word of God looks out at man and says, It is just stupid and nonsense for you to say there is no God in light of His creation. It doesn't make sense. And even in the things we hold out, there there are mutations, but there are no mutations that add to our informational coding whatsoever. There are variations, but there's no new kinds. And so why in all of the intelligence we can try to muster, do we so as a people reach for these theories? Do we reach for these things? And the answer is, deep in our sin, We want to strip the purpose and intent from creation that points to the creator and reveals the very characteristics of God and we want to turn it back to ourselves to leave us as supreme. We've been studying in Romans, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power. And divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse god is all powerful he is present and self-revealing he transforms void and chaos into good order our third and final big idea everything was made through him And exist for Him. I'm going to go ahead and ask the team to come on up as we talk through this final big idea. I want you to make sure you catch this. Because this will be very meaningful in your conversations this week as you talk about creation. A God who is before creation. A God who spoke all things into existence. Everything that was made, was made through him, listen, and it exists for him. This is most explicitly communicated in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, he, Jesus, might be preeminent. First, supreme, no equal, no peer, the creator. The gospel story begins with God, the creator, not the creation. God gave us time. He's given us space. He's given us matter. He's given us form and shape. He's given us life, purpose, and meaning. He has given us his very image. He gives us freedom, choice. And in that freedom and choice, we choose ourselves. We choose ourselves. And from Adam and Eve to you and I, We long to be God's peers. We long to make creation center around us. This is our sin that we would rob the very glory of God, his worth, and we would turn it back to ourselves. This is what we talked about in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. And if you're here, as a child of God who has been redeemed through saving faith and repentance your God your redeemer your savior is the creator of all things it all exists for him there is no equal there is no one as powerful there is no other being who is his rival your father is supreme and it is all being worked together for good because creation serves the creator and one day he will make his creation new and one day he will conform you into the image of his son Jesus. Worship a God who is worthy. That God is not ourselves. That God is the God who is who in the beginning is the creator. And so I want to challenge you this morning as we sing this final song to sing in worship, but to respond in one of three ways. And they really all run together. First, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus as your savior, as the one who paid the penalty for your sin that separated you from God, by taking his life, and giving it on a cross. I pray that this morning, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would cry out to your Creator and you would trust in the work of His Son Jesus as your redemptive work. And I want you to know you cannot place saving faith in Jesus and not repent. Repent means to turn. It simply means, in the case we've been talking about this morning, to take the world that I've tried to center around me and to turn from that and to center my world around Jesus, to realize He is the center of the gospel. He is supreme. He is Lord. And if this is true in your life, then how can we not gather together And behold the Creator. Worship Him. Talk about Him this week. Because He is good. He is supreme. And He is worthy of our worship. And so here's what I would like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you to stand. And I'd like for you to make this time of response a time of worship. A time of faith and repentance. A time to acknowledge our God is supreme. He is the creator, and that changes everything. And so in the next few moments, would you sing a song of worship and behold the creator?
0: All right, so Pastor Daniel, Pastor Daniel's just walked us through a message. You've heard a big truth. God is the author and the subject of creation. So now we're going to try to make it real practical. So families take that, and then how can they take that big truth and some of the things we've just talked about and press it down and make it real practical in our homes. What can that look like?
2: Yeah, so it it sounds overly simple. Talk about it. Just talk about it. So you've got a big truth. We've talked about that this morning. We talked about that in the service. Now just go home and talk about it. If there is one God who is before creation, who has created all things and all things exist for him, the implication of that supreme being in our lives, that's crazy Mm -hmm. big. Just start talking about it and ask your kids questions. And it's okay if you don't have the answers. And it's okay when the conversation Mm -hmm. gets off track because one of your kids is going to go, well, what happened to the dinosaurs? Mm -hmm. And that stuff's going to happen. One of your kids (laughs) go, what about the bad things? Did God create those? And you may not have all the answers for that but just begin to talk about it and know that as you do there are resources available online and through the app that break down each one of those big ideas that just basically gives you like a one-page commentary. You can go back and you can get some information and help. So I would say just go home, go try, and talk to one another about those big ideas and let them just press out in your life. Yeah, that's
0: really good. That's really good. And there's multiple ways you can do that. You kind of have to find out how it works for your family. The consistency is at bedtime, mealtime, all those times. But we, you know, as a family, we try to set that at the beginning of the week and then opportunities provide, are provided throughout the week just in the natural flow of life to tie it back to that big truth and tie it back to that scripture. And, and this, it is the natural uh, flow. It's the natural flow important. of life. I mean, if you look at this as, okay, it's another bolt-on to my life, then you're going to be reluctant to ever try it. But if you can set the flow of that and then through the, the natural flow of your everyday ins and outs, you're able to tie that into discipleship of your kids. And that's huge. That's a great point. Um, all right, so let's go from that and then switch gears a little bit and let's talk about something that affects all our families and affects our church family. It's a really good thing. So as a church, uh, you know, if you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, one of the strengths, I think, of our church family is we are led by a plurality of leaders. And that's one of those words that you're not sure what that means. It means more than one. Uh, we don't operate with a single leader model. We operate with a model of team of elders. We have nine men that lead our church as an extension of that team. um, The elders have entrusted Daniel and I with the role of lead pastor. Uh, We operate in submission to that larger team. We operate in submission to one another. We help each other. We lean into each other's strengths and weaknesses. We're better for it, that model, much better. I I got tons of weaknesses. Daniel helps me. We compliment one another in our church is better off for it in ways that we we really don't even know sometimes we're just a healthier church so with that going into uh this summer and our future god has blessed our church with someone who fits the bill to be to be able to step into the uh, to be a third lead pastor in our model that's pastor paul Uh, pastor paul has the the giftings and the callings Uh, that's who he is he brings that to the table and our elders have recognized we've recognized We want to bring him into this role of serving as one of our lead pastors as well, uh, not just our family pastor, and that has some implications for all of our church. So, what does that look like? Press that out a little bit. What will that mean? Why are we doing that? Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure.
2: I I would say first is just to understand when we talk about our lead pastors, and there being more than one of those, we understand that's a little unique. That's yeah. um, it's uh, not necessarily the normal thing. But we do see that as a great example of mutual submission as, a, as plurality within the church as we submit uh, to one another's gifting. But we always do that under the authority of our whole elders, yeah, our whole right. elder team. So I don't have any authority as a singular pastor at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. I only have the authority that the other eight elders in this case... Uh, afford me, give me, entrust to me. And so our responsibility as lead pastors is really in the day-to-day operations of the church, the day-to-day shepherding and oversight of the church, is to lead as the full nine would. Mm -hmm. And so in those responsibilities, Mike and I have really kind of divided up a couple of those. Uh, Mike handles a lot more of our shepherding. He handles our teaching role. Uh, I do a little bit more with leadership and vision. And obviously... You know, Mike leads, and obviously, I, I teach. So it's not this complete separation, this chopped off. You know, mm-hmm. you got this yep. one thing, I got this, but we complement one another. And what we realize with Paul is Paul fits that. He has those clear callings. He's exhibited that. He, he he's um, uh, he's a gift. Yeah, I mean, he's just a gift to our church. And so for us to recognize that Paul gives us a lead pastor level. Uh, gifting to our church to really help us go forward in the area of just the ministries of our church so where Mike oversees most of our teaching stuff and I'm overseeing a lot of our leadership and vision moving forward Paul's gonna oversee a lot of just the practical ministerial oversight of our churches specifically within the fa- family area so to this point in Paul's family pastor title he's oversaw from our preschool up through college well now in this role Paul's gonna see oversee from our preschool all the way through our seniors and every ministry within that within the family context we're going to entrust him to oversee that and to lead not just by his own preferences or uh, by himself Mm -hmm. but to really lead and give a kind of a platform role to that larger elder team and so I'm excited. about it. I've worked with him now for seven years. I mean, his gifts are just, you know, incredible. They're convicting to me and it'll be a huge blessing for our church. And again,
0: back to the compliment you and I, I mean, don't tell Paul, but he's probably smarter than both of us But together. We're not going to tell you that, but just a great compliment of gifts. Our church is stronger because of it. So one caveat to that, if I'm a parent of children and I've seen Paul as the family pastor, well, obviously that's somewhat going to change because he's now taking on a larger scope, which he's really been operating in that anyway. Is that going to affect his role, particularly in the area of families? What's that going to mean for my kids that Pastor Paul's taking on this larger role? If I'm a family, I might be asking that. Sure.
2: I, I think in the, the way you will experience it, it's very little. I think yeah. our students will still see Paul as their primary teaching pastor that's there on a Wednesday night at lunch, uh, the, the primary leader in those areas of ministry. But what it's going to do is it's going to you talk about his some of his gifting and intelligence and um, uh, again, some of the leadership piece of that. Mm -hmm. It's going to put Paul in a position to have oversight over more to speak Mm -hmm. into other ministries, to speak into, you know, our adult ministries and to speak Mm -hmm. into the family context. It would stretch all the way again with more authority into our adults, our grandparents. uh, And what we're trying to do is a
0: a, a larger church scope. Yeah. So if you're watching this video, I just say as part of this church, this is a blessing, life of our church. And I just say, take a second right now, stop, pray for your leaders. Pray, pray specifically for Pastor Paul, his family, his wife, this new role he's taking on. And I just thank the Lord for the blessing that he is and your leaders are at this church. And uh, love you, church, and we're signing off.